Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war ready to talk about the 2024 election yet? I think we should be. Although, I think that for a lot of us, it is very hard to talk about the 2024 upcoming election when we still see so many problems that are unresolved from the 2020 election and the 2022 election. I know personally for the first time since turning 18 and having the right to vote in an election, I have questioned whether or not I'm actually going to vote. I feel very disenfranchised. I feel as though sort of this entire system, the right, the left, the red, the blue, the Republican Democrat, and the process that we have to go through is a scam. I don't know really that my individual voice is heard, especially on a large level, on a federal level, maybe smaller, maybe community, um, local elections, it is more so. But I also know that there are a lot of people out there and they're in my circle, my circle of friends that still are holding their hats and hanging on to this idea of if we just got the right person in there. And this is kind of a really interesting concept for me to still be buying into. I don't think anyone from a political arena or spectrum can sort of come in and have this savior mentality or this savior idea. I think we're well past that. I think we are now at a place where we almost have to decide if this is a system that we want to participate in any longer, are we clearly seeing what this right-left paradigm and this division does? And is there a way to rectify it? And if we were to just realize our power as citizens and ultimately use that power for good, I think that we would probably have a big reset. We would probably, not not the great reset that they're trying to have happen, but a big reset as far as where us citizens put our time and our energy and our focus and how we potentially work together. Now, with that being said, talking about the 2024 upcoming presidential election, which it's not that far off if we think about it, we are almost halfway through 2023. We've had more people coming out and announce that they are going to toss their name in the hat for a possible run. And it's only going to ramp up from here. Politics is in our face every day. There's still a lot of world happenings going on. We certainly have things here in this country happening and politics isn't going anywhere. So 
I think we should probably start paying attention or at least having the conversation. And because I get to host this amazing show, I'll just kind of share with you where my thoughts are at surrounding some of the candidates that have already uh, announced that they're going to be making a run at it. Now, what I'll say is that I've always been conservative. I've always been a registered Republican. And I also have been somebody that doesn't necessarily just vote straight down the red ticket. Uh, I do like to look into who I'm voting for, their policies, their stances on things. Um, And I've also not voted for positions because I didn't like any of the candidates. So I'm not somebody that just goes, you know, red down the whole ticket. I would hope that other people are not on, on whatever side of the aisle that you're on. But this is going to be a really interesting election cycle, I think, for me to kind of watch as an outsider. Because over the last few years in particular, I think that not only, well, I don't know that the divide has gotten bigger from this right-left kind of side-by-side situation. I think what's actually happened is that there's maybe more of a migration of some liberals or some left-leaning people more towards the center. And then the Democratic Party has sort of gone off so far left. They are way, way, way out in left field, aligning themselves with talking points and positions that really I don't think align with maybe do I dare say the majority of of Democrats. Maybe here's an example. Um, You know, this whole transgender movement that the Democratic Party really seems to be getting behind. And it is it, it appears to be a very high priority for them, which again, boggles my mind. We're talking about a tiny percentage of the country's population in comparison to everyone who's experiencing problems from inflation or job or gas prices, things like that. Everyone is feeling a pinch from those types of things where we have a very small percentage of people facing these gender identity crises, yet it's at the top of their list. Friends that I have, family members that I have that lean left or vote democratic. I think if I were to sit down with them one-on-one and be like, is this high priority for you? They'd probably say no. Maybe they were almost indifferent to it, but I think that them saying no or being indifferent to them pulls them a little bit more center. It maybe feels even extreme to them. And I would also say that a lot of my friends that are left-leaning or registered Democrats are probably more conservative than they want to admit. You know, married, kids, good family values, contributing to society, they're working, they're paying their taxes, they're good people, sort of following all of this like golden rule kind of stuff, which I'm not saying that those things don't apply to Democrats in general. I'm just saying that usually when you talk about, you know, the, the, the trigger phrases like freedom, faith, family, you know, those things I think tend to get thrown over to the right and to the conservative side of things. So I think the media portrayal of how many of these very 
far left-leaning people there are is not as many as they want us to think there are. And that, of course, plays into voting, right? But we do have some people now that have thrown their hats into the rings. And I think we should just talk about them and talk about maybe who they're going to develop over this sort of campaign season, what they're going to, maybe what their platforms will be, what they're going to stand on. And I'm going to start with Ron DeSantis down in Florida. He just announced either yesterday or today or in the last couple of days that he's going to sign into law, I guess, uh, stating that he can run for president, I guess, while remaining as governor of Florida. I don't really know how all of that works. It seems a little strange to me, um, but hey, whatever. If that's what he needs to do to be able to run for president, okay. Uh, Ron DeSantis has really been thrust, you know, sort of, sort of thrust into the spotlight over the last couple of years by way of the pandemic and the things that he chose to do for the state of Florida, for the citizens of Florida, and how he mitigated all of those circumstances and things coming down from the federal level. And I personally really like how he handled a lot of those things. I think he took a very common sense approach to the pandemic. I think he also took a no-nonsense approach when he sort of laid things out and said, nope, we're not doing this, or yes, we are doing this. It falls under the purview of my my job and, and the rights that I have to establish these things for my citizens. And what we ended up seeing is that Florida sort of became this beacon for the rest of the country. They were still very much open. They didn't have the same business closures and economic struggles that a lot of other states had, and primarily blue states. So I do think there's a huge dichotomy in those uh, numbers and statistics of if you were a blue state, how hard the crackdown was. I just, I watched a video the other day and it was like, never forget, never forget three years ago in California, a bulldozer came and filled in a skate park with sand all in the name of science. Like the most ludicrous things. We we have lived through the most ludicrous years. <laughs> it, it's just insane. But Florida didn't do any of that, like California did, like Ohio did, like New York. And they have seen a huge, huge influx of people moving there. I think also what they've seen is that people that were maybe left-leaning before felt the crunch of that government. They were probably business owners. They had kids in public schools that, you know, your business got shut down. Your kids got sent home from school. Life was this upheaval. And I don't think I align myself with the political parties or powers that are imposing this. It directly impacted me. I'm out of here. So a lot of people relocated to Florida under the leadership of Ron DeSantis and how he managed all of the things surrounding the pandemic. The other thing I find really fascinating is how many politicians and celebrities we saw that were, you know, getting on TV and saying, oh, you've got to wear your mask. You've got to social distance. You've got to do all of these things. And then they literally were headed to Florida for vacation because they didn't want to feel the constraints themselves. They were going for a taste of freedom. And they hit South Beach 
You know, it's just the the hypocrisy is, it's just too much. But what I will say about Ron is that I read some things where there's maybe some, some shady uh, donors, which again, I don't know how all the donor thing works. Like, does he know exactly every single person that gives his campaign money? Eh, I don't know. Um, does he know the integral workings of every organization that donates? Who knows? That's all maybe speculation, or I just would need to be more well-versed on that. But some of the ones that I have seen donate maybe seem a little bit shady. And then ultimately, I guess, I think maybe more confusion than I am a a strike against DeSantis, but I don't really get this DeSantis-Trump beef. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They carry a lot of similar mannerisms and sort of ways that they interact with the media or um, other government officials or just sort of this kind of like, we're not going to be walked on type attitude. And I really appreciate that. I think it demonstrates strong leadership, but it makes me wonder why there's a beef. Shouldn't two people that operate in that same way or that approach policy um, and policy implementation in the same way, shouldn't they be more aligned on that? And now the media can be creating something out of nothing. Although I have seen things that, that Trump has put on social media. I've seen things that DeSantis has put on social media and it does seem like there's maybe a little bit of a back and forth. Now, is that back and forth an actual legitimate problematic back and forth? Who knows? Could they be getting it for some media time and some media coverage? Who knows? The things that people will do or say potentially, or the the workings that happen behind the scenes that we have no idea about, could be something like this. Could be, hey, let's create a beef. And then we've split some voters amongst the Republican Party. We've either pulled some away from Trump or we've pulled some away from DeSantis because they potentially will be both front runners. So who knows? I'm still kind of on the fence about him. I don't know that he would get my vote if I'm going to be voting. Um, I want to watch him a little bit closer. I want to see sort of how his campaign unfolds, what position he takes on certain things. And I'm just gonna gonna keep my eye also on that DeSantis uh, Trump feud. Now, the rumors of like a Trump DeSantis ticket, I don't think those will come to fruition. And if they did, or if it did, I, I can't say that I'm 100% falling in line with that. I just don't know. I just don't know at this point about good old Ronnie boy down in Florida. And on the opposite side of the country, out in California, and on the opposite ticket, on the Democratic side, we've got Robert Kennedy Jr., which this is an interesting one to me. I am familiar with him from a variety of different platforms, but I didn't really see him as making a presidential run. It just didn't seem like, I don't know, maybe something that was in his wheelhouse, maybe. Plus he's so busy with other things. But If you aren't familiar with some of the work that Robert Kennedy does, you should check out his organization, Children's Health Defense. 
It is absolutely incredible. It is an organization that is doing actual work. They are legitimately getting out there in the world and doing projects and services and holding people accountable to make sure that products are safe. Um, They have clean water drinking initiatives. So they are doing impactful work actually to benefit children. This is not like Bill Gates's faux humanitarian uh, eugenics efforts. It's nothing like that. This is actual legitimate things that are being done uh, to help benefit primarily children, but obviously it, it can benefit more than just children. Robert Kennedy's also been very outspoken um, on vaccines. He has taken a position that I'm sure most in the media, and I've already seen headlines talking about anti-vax. And really all that is, is he is a savvy consumer of the data that's available, the data that's available to everybody. He's read the studies. He looked at the data. He talks with other top experts in that field of investigating the vaccine industry. Is a very reputable source when it comes to information surrounding that topic. And he's a lawyer. So the thing to keep in mind is that when a lawyer is talking, they know the law, um, not putting out factual information um, or, or putting out information that isn't factual isn't going to be what he does. He's not going to set himself up for potential negative legal recourse. And the number of lawsuits that he's put forth in order to not only just obtain information, but also to help correct the systems that are in place are just astronomical. It's incredible. He also wrote a very interesting book. It's called The Real Anthony Fauci. And it is, it's quite the dive. It is a real look at Anthony Fauci, at his history, um, his work in the government, um, NIADH um, or NIAD, um, and it's it's explosive. And again, he's a lawyer. He's not going to put things in a book and set himself up for any potential legal recourse. So my only thing with Robert Kennedy, well, a couple of things with Robert Kennedy. Number one, obviously the Kennedy name. Um, he's been in and around politics for so long. And I personally just have a problem with legacy politicians, whether they're politicians or not. Like, I don't think he would consider himself a politician, uh, although a lot of the issues and a lot of the things that he dabbles in or works with with his organization does cross over into the political arena. But the Kennedy name is tried and true in our world of politics. It's got tragedies associated with it, but it's got longevity. And I just struggle with that. I struggle with those sort of legacy families where you're kind of just born into it. And then this is what you do. Like the Bushes and the Cheneys. Ugh, I just gives me all the heebie-jeebies. So that's one issue that I have. Another one that might seem sort of off base or uh, maybe not a big concern, but 
he is married to an actress in, you know, the Hollywood scene. It's, it's important, I think, to look at who you surround yourself with and who you keep close and what those relationships are like. And I think that Hollywood and its filth is just the best friend, you know, holding hands, skipping out on the playground with the government. They're both absolute cesspools. And I just have a little bit of pause thinking about a potential presidential candidate having a direct tie to Hollywood and that culture and what I personally believe fuels that industry. So a couple of things there that I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't know. And the other thing is, is that he's on the democratic ticket. Again, there's nobody right now shining a big bright spotlight of who these big major Democrat players are that give me any confidence in the moral foundation of the Democratic Party. I just don't see anybody. Nothing aligns with what I believe is rooted in traditional values, which there's nothing wrong with having traditional values. There's nothing rooted in pro-America. If anything, they are sort of rooting for the demise of America, whether they're saying that out loud or not. There is a large, large, large push to take on these sort of social justice initiatives that sound great and carry a lot of emotional weight with them. On paper, they're terrible. And in practical application, they're even worse. They are actually detrimental. As we saw with Black Lives Matter, I think every major Democrat, if not all Democrats, were associated in some way with Black Lives Matter, whether that be a promotion of it or a a kneeling at the Capitol or all of these things. The words Black Lives Matter, of course, they're words, and those are important words all strung together. You now look at the millions of dollars that were raised by that organization that they've got nothing to show for it except mansions bought by the founders of Black Lives Matter. Like what a front, what an absolute scam. And they're content being associated with that. You know, we also have the, the, the pro-life versus pro-choice argument Um, we've got, again, to bring up this transgender movement, like these are all very, very, very big push movements by the Democratic Party. And Robert Kennedy is now on that ticket for the Democratic side. And I just don't know, I can't, the association and the, maybe I guess the, what I haven't heard yet, and maybe that will come about through this campaign season is the saying of, no, this is not what I align with, with my campaign, even as a Democrat, or no, this is too far left for me. I'll wait to see if some of those things come about. I don't know that they will, Um, but he doesn't seem as far left as the Democratic Party seems to be 
which makes me wonder why would you still associate? Why would you stay there? Maybe it's harder to switch than we think it is, although we have seen a significant number of Democrats switch over in the last couple of years, whether they move to um, independent or Republican. But there have been handfuls because they see that the left is just sliding kind of off this deep end. So Ron DeSantis on the right, Robert F. Kennedy on the left, two people I'm not sure about, but I'm going to step away and take a little break. And when I come back, we will jump into a couple of other names as well as plant a little seed about something that I think might be happening and potentially shake up this uh, 2024 presidential campaign and election cycle. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse Beth, and you are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time in this six The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait. We wash our nose? Yes. The number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican... 
one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at COFIXRX.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. All right, so at the top of the show, we talked about two of the candidates that have thrown their name in the hats for the presidential election of 2024, and I want to talk about a couple of more in the second half of the show. I'm going to stay on the Democratic side of things. We ended there before the commercial break talking about Robert Kennedy, and I want to talk about Corn Pop, as I like to call him, or Joe Biden. I don't think that, well, number one, I don't think that he's going to be the Democratic nominee. I don't think he's even running the show. Um, His handlers are doing what they can with what they've got, but I don't think that it's going to be a a repeat situation for Joe Biden. Um, But if it were, if if he were to receive the Democratic nomination, I would love to have a conversation with somebody who would vote for him again. What on earth has transpired thus far that was better than what we had before in the previous administration? But also, what have we done to put us in a better place? I mean, you just look at the state of our country right now, and it is in disrepair. You know, gas prices, inflation, uh, our border is an absolute disaster. We are now involved in potential international situations going on, which we had not been in for the four years um, with President Trump. You know, we have all of these scandals about the Biden family that are just miraculously now coming to light, even though. You know, two years ago, folks like myself and other people were pointing out, hey, this is shady. 
All of these business dealings are shady. The laptop is shady. The Biden family in and of itself seems to be, you know, just touching corruption at every turn. And it's now suddenly just coming into play. So I don't know how anybody could really vote for him again, independent of their reasoning being they just don't want the other guy, which I think is what, well, I don't know. Again, I'd love to talk to a Biden voter who voted for him back in 2020 because I think that people only voted for him in 2020 because they've been brainwashed and he wasn't Trump. So it wasn't that you loved your candidate. It wasn't that you were putting Biden-Harris stickers on your on your car or wearing a Biden hat. It's just that you didn't want or like Trump. So you just had to take the other guy. And I guess that's just such a crazy mentality to adopt. Like you were better off, in my opinion, just abstaining, just not voting. Although we now know that that election, it wouldn't have mattered anyways. They were going to do what they were going to do from the beginning and just have the chips fall where they, where they may. But I can't imagine voting for somebody just because it's not the other guy. Like not believing in the policies that they're going to put forth, not looking at their track records, uh, none of that kind of stuff. But I think I think a lot of people I think a lot of people did that. And what's frustrating too is that now, as all of this stuff is coming to light about Biden, his dealings with the Chinese Communist Party, past dealings with Ukraine, his son and this laptop and this idea that he's been, you know, he we know he had a terrible drug addiction with smoking and crack. He had all of these entanglements with prostitutes and there was money being exchanged. I mean, this all needs to be exposed and it needs to come to light and it needs to be acknowledged that who you surround yourself is super important. And like I talked about with, with Robert Kennedy, like, why do we want a president who has all of these negative dealings and negative associations surrounding himself? It doesn't demonstrate strong leadership. You know, if your kids aren't that successful, well, were you raising them? How'd you raise them? What were they doing? Um, you know, it is a reflection of you. And if if those little components can't be taken care of and can't be handled, how can you handle things on a much larger scale? Additionally, I would just like to mention that if any of those things happened on the Trump side, front and center news, front page, every day, all day, it's all they would talk about. If Don Jr. had a, a raging drug problem, I mean, he would have just been absolutely dragged through the mud. He would have been his family, his dad, everybody. But over on the left-hand side of things, we have media that is really participating in a cover-up of sorts, not getting these stories out to the public, 
or downplaying them or trying to convince us that it is misinformation or disinformation or not accurate information. But if it were on the other side, it would 1000% be accurate information. It'd be everywhere. So all of these things are stacked against corn pop. I mean, I would never vote for him anyways, but then we also just have to look at him. He's in his eighties. There is clear cognitive decline happening. I mean, the guy can't get a sentence out. It's really sad actually to watch. He's got garbled speech. He doesn't make a lot of sense. He mumbles. He can't keep his train of thought. And then when he's not talking, if he's up on stage, I mean, the guy struggles to know where to go, to know what to do, where to turn. That is not the demonstration of leadership that the United States of America should have. It's a joke. And I think that actually a lot of people within the Democratic Party recognize that it's a joke. Whether or not they're jumping ship or whether or not they're doing an about face or whether or not they're admitting, gosh, we probably shouldn't have voted this guy in or gosh, we maybe should have recognized that a lot of what was said about Trump was was inaccurate and was false and was just propaganda basically. Whether any of those things happen, I think that there is a citizen sort of separation from the elected official amongst the Democratic Party. But who knows? Who knows what will happen there? I mean, he was already installed once. His handlers are doing what they need to do. Whoever is actually kind of running the show is doing what they need to do. So maybe he's the perfect puppet. Maybe another four years and they can continue to carry on this very, very, very clear, blatant attempt to internally destruct the United States. We'll see. We'll have to see what happens. To the flip side of corn pop, we've got President Trump. He's already said he's going to make a run in 2024. He's already been out doing, you know, hitting that campaign trail, holding rallies. Seems to have a strong backing again. I voted for Trump in 2016. I think he wholeheartedly should have been elected in 2020, without a doubt. I believe that the election was fraudulent. And then I also understand and recognize that he faced something with the pandemic that really no other president had faced. Although we talk about George Bush having faced 9-11, Except he, well, in my opinion, I think he knew it was coming because I don't think that 9-11 was organic. 
So if we want to talk about the pandemic, whether it was planned or not, if Trump was not knowledgeable about the plan, he faced something that no other president really has faced in modern times. And I always think it's kind of foolish when we talk about the president and yes, they have a lot of power. Yes, they are. You know, the president of the U S is the, is the leader of the free world. But I think it's a little bit ludicrous when we make the assumption that the president can know every single move all day, every day and every wording of every policy and, you know, just down to the minutia of things that happened. So as far as like the pandemic response is concerned, that was pretty much all Fauci. Now people will say, well, why wouldn't he just get rid of Fauci? Why wouldn't he, you know, get rid of Dr. Burks, the scarf lady? And I have a theory on that. Nobody knew who Dr. Fauci was until this presidency, until the pandemic. Nobody knew who Dr. Burks was. I think he didn't fire them because I think that there needed to be more exposure. Look at since then what we've discovered with Fauci. Look how entrenched he is in our government system. Look at who his family circle is. Read Robert F. Kennedy's book. So I think that there is a lot to be said through the pandemic and Trump's response about what was delegated to other people and why it was potentially delegated and what Trump ultimately kind of, I guess, maybe stood for during that whole process. He was not advocating for school closure. He was not advocating for business closure. He certainly wasn't advocating for um, masks. I think, you know, everything was voluntary from his perspective, which I think is how it always should be. And then we get to the vaccine. And this is where I just have, I'm sort of in a little bit of a way about Trump and the vaccine. And first of all, I would just like to say, I haven't read anything or been had a conversation or been educated about Operation Warp Speed. There's all this chatter that Operation Warp Speed was this operation to fast track this vaccine and get it out. But I have a little bit of skepticism surrounding that just by the nature of the time frame of all of it. I don't even know if an Operation Warp Speed could do what it was intended to do in the time frame. So I don't know. I'm a little, I have a little bit of speculation surrounding if that's truly what that operation was about. And there are so many things that happen behind the scenes that we are never privy to, that we don't even 
have an inkling are happening. So I don't think it's too far-fetched for an operation to be saying it's doing one thing and potentially doing something else. But what I will tell you about my feelings towards Trump and the vaccine is his nonchalant and should I also say almost flippant nature in which he's addressing the idea of vaccine injuries. And again, I guess that he left, he left it up to individual choice. Now what businesses did, that was their thing. Um, You know, employers, they forced it onto their employees. So those were independent of Trump, but Trump did leave the vaccine. It, it was, it was, it was sort of this demonstration of you should do what's right for you. You shouldn't take my word into account. You shouldn't, you know, listen to anybody do what you think is best. Because as the president, honestly, there were people that were thinking that the vaccine was the only thing that was going to get us out of this. So as a president, he couldn't come on and say, don't take the vaccine. What's he going to look like? He's going to get called an anti-vaxxer, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then what if people did start having reactions to that vaccine after he said, don't take it? The, The media would have gone absolutely bananas and said, Trump knew something about it. Trump knew that it was harmful. Trump knew that it was dangerous. Like they would create all sorts of fake scenarios surrounding that. And then on the flip side, if Trump said, take it, well, then he sounds like he doesn't want you to have individual choice. He doesn't want us to have body autonomy. He's recommending a pharmaceutical product. And then what if people start having adverse events? Well, you told me, you recommended it. You said we should. It's an equally horrible place to be in. It's a very, very fine line that had to be danced. And I understand that he danced it. Carefully, probably, cautiously. But what I, he's doing too much dancing around are the actual real life injuries that are happening to people. Before I left the hospital, I was talking to people in the very, very early months of the vaccine being rolled out. I had talking, I had spoken with numerous patients that having new onset things and they would tell me, and we all know our bodies well enough. And they would say, I know it. It's from that shot. I know it. I know it is. So we have people that are having heart attacks, kids that are having heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, tremors. There are so many adverse events happening from this. And he hasn't really, in my opinion, taken the appropriate steps to acknowledge that and to potentially work on a a, a remedy situation for his campaign moving forward. 
I think it's going to be a big talking point for a lot of conservatives because the conservatives that I know that chose to abstain from the vaccine, we weren't letting anybody influence. We didn't care. We didn't care whether it was a Trump vaccine or whether it was a Biden vaccine or whether it was a Fauci vaccine. We didn't care. We weren't doing it. None of us. And so if you are that type of person who took that approach as somebody that's in charge of your body and not going to be swayed or um, convinced or, or, or cajoled to, to do something, but now that one something is having a huge detrimental effect you want there to be an acknowledgement of it and you want there to be a plan in place moving forward because here's the thing we're in 2023 and people are still there's there's still this kind of idea that these are quote unquote perfectly safe and effective and that nothing bad is happening and that if there is a story where we think it's related to the vaccine it's just a conspiracy theory so if that mindset continues, then there are going to be more people continuing to get vaccinated. So by 2024, we are going to have a ton of vaccine injured people. And I personally would like if Trump is going to run for president and if he took the position on the vaccine the way that he did back, back when, back when it got rolled out. I would like him to take a position moving forward of how can we, what are we going to do? Is there anything we can do? Acknowledge that people are suffering and that there is damage being done. And I think that that is where potentially Robert Kennedy has a pull. I think that his position on vaccines is going to be incredibly enticing to folks like myself and to folks that are not getting from President Trump really sort of what they want and need to hear about the vaccine. Now, everything else pertaining to Trump, if he keeps his foreign policy the way that it was, if we can go another four years without having a a war or an international skirmish, if we can get manufacturing jobs back to the U.S., if we can become oil independent again um, here in the U.S., if we can secure our border, if he takes the position on pretty much all of those other hotbed issues, if he can even get some regulation on you know, gender reassignment surgeries on underage kids federally. I'd be leaning in his direction for my vote. But there are some gaps that need to be filled in. There are some gaps. And I think there's gaps for a lot of people. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And here's my big theory of the night. Here's my big bomb that I'm going to drop. I have a feeling that in the next couple of months, we are going to hear an announcement that Michelle Obama is going to run for president. 
I think that this is also why Ms. Rice recently left the Biden uh, administration to come and work and help Michelle with her potential future campaign. There's a lot wrapped up in that that I could talk on and provide some thoughts and maybe even some rabbit holes for you to go down. But I might save that for another show. Maybe we'll save that if if she does choose to uh, run for president. But that's what I think is going to happen. I think that's going to be a big shakeup. I think you're going to get a a lot of people that are emotionally fueled by that for a couple of very obvious reasons. I think that emotional fuel is just simply going to be what casts their vote instead of, again, logical thinking or facts um, in their decision-making. I think it will all be based off of talking points from the media that fuel emotions, that make people have to jump on a social justice alignment associated with her potential nomination. That's just me. But I would love to hear your thoughts. (laughs) Send an email in or give us a call if you think that that is even in the realm of possibilities. I absolutely think it is. And I wouldn't sort of already be surprised if wheels haven't been in motion for that for a long time. So we'll have to see, but definitely let me know what you think about that one. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a fun one to rattle around with. But with that being said, that is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and-